Okay. Hey, little bonus material for you here today. Uh, we're going to introduce you to Megan Orgerman. Uh, you're going to actually meet her again in April and May when we do our state track and field high school series of every state. She represents the great state of Minnesota, but she helped found or did found a really cool organization that I really wanted. I thought that was important for us to kind of do a separate uh, podcast here that I think it's important for people to hear uh, more about this. It's called Women for Women. And uh, I'm going to shut up and let Megan tell us a little bit more, but help me welcome Megan Orgerman from Alexandria Area High School and Women for Women. Megan, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, um, when I hear about initiatives like this, uh, I think about the USTFCCCA has a very strong, continually growing women's in coaching program, uh, minorities in coaching programs. Uh, these are extremely important to us here at Gill because we look at our athletes and we're, you know, roughly 50-50 men and women. Uh, we're not roughly, I don't think, 50-50 minority to non-minority, but, uh, but then we look at our coaches and we are nowhere near. We're roughly 10 to 15% uh, minority or female coaches. So anytime there's a program that can help encourage more women or minorities into coaching, uh, that's a extremely positive, important thing. And when I heard you had founded this program, I just had to learn more and more importantly, had to uh, help our listeners uh, learn more about this. So tell us about this, why, what it is, just give us the whole, the whole skinny on this thing. Yeah, uh, great segue. Uh, the USATF CCCA Women in Coaching um, Symposium Clinic is where this all came from, actually. And so uh, Karen Krakow from Wisconsin, she is a high school coach from Wisconsin, attended this event and said, why can't we bring this to Wisconsin? Um, and so she started a Women for Women. So that's Women Number Four Women, Women for Women Coaches Symposium in Wisconsin years ago. And it drew in hundreds of participants. Um, and you know, when we think about our mission, like you said, um, we want to support the recruitment and the retention of women coaches because we believe it is important for female athletes to see their reflection um, in the faces of their coaches. We want our girls to be able to see how women lead, um, to know that they can lead too. Um, I really believe strongly in the phrase, if she can see her, she can be her. Um, it's something I try to live by. Um, and, and what's another important note is some of our greatest advocates are also male coaches. And so this is not an exclusive women only club. Um, this is really um, gathering lots of people, men and women coaches from all over, all sports, to join in in that recruitment and retention of women coaches so that our girls can be coached, our girls and women can be coached by other women. Because, um, you know, you mentioned the, the statistics at the collegiate level. It's worse at the high school level. There, there's even few um, women high school coaches out there for other for female athletes. Two things to add. One, I'm surprised by that. I, I And I certainly know the collegiate side of it a little bit better because that's where I'm mostly involved and former college coach myself. Uh, on the high school level, my wife is a, a long-term sub. So I see high school teachers and the majority, I shouldn't say the majority, a lot of them are women. So I would have assumed more women on the high school coaching side. So that surprises me Two, um, you know, love the initiative of, and I love that quote, if she can see her, she can be here. I think just as importantly, um, and maybe that's too strong of a word, but as important, very important is boys can see that, oh, yes. my boss can be a woman and that's okay. And my coach can yes. be a boss, uh, can be a woman and that's okay. Like there, there, there's no, that's not a bad thing. It's not a stigma type of thing. We've had, we've had that conversation on past podcasts before. So I love that. So talk to us about, um, we understand kind of the mission. So what do you do? How do you help with that mission then? 
Yeah, so uh, one of our goals is to create a network, um, you know, because uh, traditionally, you know, white males have, and amazing white males, not a bash, but have hold, held leadership positions um, and have been the ones that have gathered together at clinics. Um, I bet most high school coaches, track and field coaches in particular, when they go to clinics, they can relate to being, you know, in a, one of, you know, if we look at a ratio, maybe one out of 20 attendees are men. And so you do definitely feel like there's not many of you in spaces at times. So one of our missions is to create a, a network. So space where women can come together and talk about their experiences. Um, women for Women, a big initiative is to have veteran and new coaches in the same space together. So these veteran coaches that are mothers or not mothers or have different demographic backgrounds, whether it is a relationship status, um, their sexuality or whatever it may be, there's spaces where these women can talk. And so when we have these new coaches who feel alone and feel on an island and feel like it's too hard and that the systems aren't set up to support them for whatever reason, we have veterans coaches saying, hey, I did this, you can too. Or, hey, have you tried this? Or maybe if you talked to your AD and got this in place, it would be easier for you. So we just have that network to help support women in coaching, women that are living um, the life of, of a coach. Um, so that's one purpose. Yeah. How important is that? You, you know, I, I think about what you said there about, you know, she can see her, she can be here and you're talking, I, I took that as you were talking specifically of, uh, of a female athlete can see a female coach like, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, then I can be that too. Um, but I wonder on the same token, how do you help either women who want to be in the coaching or want to stay in the coaching ranks, yeah. there's a lot of societal, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but norms that uh, you can't be a mom when you coach. Um, and the ones who do that superwoman stuff, and by the way, it is superwoman stuff, but it is attainable, I hate yes. to say from the average woman, but from other people as well. So how, how do you help with uh, with veteran coaches and new coaches in regards to how you navigate, um, you know, being married, being a professional as, as far as a teacher, uh, being the extracurricular as a coach, uh, either planning uh, a family or in the midst of the family? How, how does that uh, help? And, and what are some uh, maybe even some tidbits that you've learned from some of your members? That's that's exactly it. I mean, the, if if she can see her, she can be her extends between coaches, not just athletes to coaches. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Uh, it was actually the primary reason why I took the position as president of the Coaches Association is because there weren't women in that role. And I felt like maybe if I said yes to this, um, other women would step up later and we could we could swing that. And so I, I think it's important to have representation, um, as we know. Um, but, you know, here's a, an example to answer your question. Um, from one of our discussions at our Women Coaches Symposium, we had, a, we had a very lively discussion about motherhood and coaching and the societal pressures that um, are placed on women to be the primary caregiver um, or be the uh, coordinator of all things in the home. And, and that's not every family, but that is a societal pressure. And um, how can we create systems to support that? Um, so for example, why aren't we having our National Honor Society kids provide free childcare for our coaches so the kids can be on campus, maybe even on the field while the coaches are coaching. And we just have some kids volunteering time to hang out with the coaches' children. And that goes for males too. Like 
a male coach could have free care care too for their kids. Um, so, you know, easy solutions that are don't cost money. Um, we, we brainstorm together. Um, another thing that I've really learned through the Tucker Center, the University of Minnesota Tucker Center does a lot of research about girls and, and women in sports and girls and women in coaching. They do a lot. They're a powerhouse. They give NCAA programs report cards based on their hiring practices, A through F grading um, with, with women coaches. So the Tucker Center has really taught um, me and many of us to not have a blame the women narrative. Like women aren't coaching because they are mothers. Well, women, maybe women could coach if the system supported mothers in coaching. You know, if we had National Honor Society kids helping with childcare after school, that didn't cost anything. So really looking at it from, we value these women, we want these women, we understand there are societal pressures. Um, it is a reality, but it's not her fault. Let's try, try to create a, a system that allows her to, to do both. You know, I'm amazed when I hear, what's the term I want to use here? The angst and the anger of some people that, you know, because of Title IX and things like that, affirmative action that, uh, you know, I see it on our um, air quotes here, favorite uh, message board, let's run of, you know, boy, if you're a woman and you have a pulse, you could get any college coaching job in the world. And, right. you know, I think about two things with that. One is I go, really? Well, go look at all the coaching rosters because I don't, th that's not, I don't, I don't see it. It's not true. And yeah. two, I think of, we had Lakeidra Stewart on the podcast, a high school coach down in Texas, was a phenomenal athlete. Boy, if I get this wrong, she's going to kill me. I think for Texas A&M. Uh, so a phenomenal athlete, uh, went on and had a, a nice career, uh, very smart, you know, f um, college educated, et cetera. And she could not get a sniff at a college job. I mean, just th th it was nothing. And I and I kind of liked it because I was like, well, here, you know, this is the narrative. Like, you're supposed to have any job, but you want the minority female as well. But, you know, the whole nine. Right. Uh, and, and now, you know, she's a sweet, sweet, sweet mom. She's coaching and destroying it down in Texas. Also helped coach uh, football at one of her stops as well, which I thought that was just extremely cool in regards really to like, cool. you can do anything. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I love that narrative uh, of destroying that narrative of like, oh, women have it so good. They can get any job. And it's like, man, you're so blind go look at yeah. the rosters out there. Um, the other uh, story I hear a lot and this one, it's kind of weird. I, I may be on the other side of this one is when a woman is a head coach uh, and I'll say specifically at a high school program, I don't think it really matters. Um, and uh, uh, an official or a games committee member will come over and let's say she's standing next to her assistant coach who's the male. They'll look at the male and say, as if he's the head coach. And, yes. and, I, and I understand why, why someone would get upset by that, but I actually don't get upset by that because, well, majority are male. So that person made a mistake. Let's have some grace yes. here. Now, the, to me, yeah. the real farce is if that person continues to do that. Now, if they go, yes. oh, Megan, I'm so sorry. You are the head coach. Boy, that's my bad. Here's the question, yada, yada. When they come up to you next time and still look to the male assistant coach, that's a that, that to me is where now the real issue is here. How yeah. how do we continue? What, what role, you know, women certainly need to fight for women, uh, but men need to fight for women. Men, and yeah. we all really, what it really comes down to is we all need to fight for equality, M male, yeah. female, minority, non-minority, et cetera. What can, uh, here we're speaking specifically, you know, for this group here, the Women for Women, how can others um, help 
Yeah. You know, I think it's in very small ways. Um, you had I, so much of what you said I could relate to. You know, I when I first became the girls head coach, they talked to Mike Empting, the boys head coach all the time. And he very and it wasn't with ill intent. Um, it was just it just shows how strong gender norms are. Um, and he would just politely say, talk to her. She's the head coach. And so that is advocacy. Him not answering the question for me and saying, that's a question for the girls coach. It's Megan is advocacy. You know, there, it, when I think about, um, I was in my third year coaching in high school ever when the head coach position op opened up and I had a team of male coaches make me apply. They, they, they shoved me into that spot to even apply. We know that um, women have to be, I think it's 97% sure that they are adequate and qualified and competent to even throw their name in the ring. Um, while men, it's 67%. They're like, well, let's just see what happens. And so men, if they, you see a qualified female, shove her, push her, tell her you will support her. And that goes for females too, so that she at least puts her application in. Um, so that's another really powerful way. And that's all on the individual level. Um, there's also the systemic level, right? Like trying to look at systems in schools or in colleges that get in the way. And then and then trying to be creative with the resources that you have, finding National Honor Society kids. Um, another piece you had talked about um, gender norms is, you know, you said, you mentioned officials and how females are um, interpreted. We talk about that as like walking a tightrope um, as a woman. Um, you can't be too strong, you know, because then you might be seen as, you know, the B word um, and you can't be too emotional. Then you might be seen as weak. And so it's like this tightrope and this this dance that we have to do to prove that we are competent. We also sometimes feel like it's, it's a feeling. I'm not saying it's a reality that we have to be um fully researched and we have to know 10 times more in order to speak um, because we might be seen as, as not knowing enough or being too emotional. Um, and so having other males um, let let women fully express anger and not be like, wow, she's a, she's a B word and say she's passionate, right? Just the same words that would be attached to a male who's passionate um, and, and maybe yelling or what, however they're expressing their feelings. Those same words that are attached to men should be attached to females too. So language is powerful. So how we use our words, um, that kind of hits that societal norm level of it. Um, so really the Tucker Center has taught me this, um, trying to address the problem from an individual an institutional and a societal level and looking at all those layers um, is our best way to address the problem. And then creating the network where people can talk and support each other, all genders, to make sure that people don't quit when they're tired and exhausted. When I talk about the health of track and field, uh, I'm very bullish on encouraging track coaches to go into administrative roles because in the administration is where a lot of the important decisions about our sport are happening happening and i would certainly love to have people who understand our sport and maybe have passion for our sport be in those positions how can we so you know we're we're kind of talking about track coaches here in the on the woman's side but how can we also encourage women to be more in the administration role and therefore hiring the next track coaches uh, and making the decisions about our sports specifically but of course all other sports as well how do we encourage more women to go into the administration role as well as the track coach world I think it also happens it happens on the ground level and on the institutional level um, we know that 
just because of our own personal bias, we tend to hire or surround ourselves with the people that feel like us, that look like us, that feel like us, that talk like us, that have the same beliefs as us. So that unconscious bias is present. Um, so we have to check ourselves, you know, and we have to create representation in those hiring practices. Um, so I think I'm a great example of, I would say I, I, I lean on the side of a confident female and I still needed an army of people to push me into this role. I think um, athletic directors and administration need to find those rising stars and nurture them and mentor them um, so that they know that when it when that position opens, that even if they don't check all the boxes or they don't they aren't fully qualified, that they will be okay and they will be supported, um, knowing that they have to be 97% sure to even apply. So having that in your mind, um, you might a, a lot of times, and I run into it too, when I try to get women in leadership, there's a first no, or there's a, I don't think I have capacity. And that's probably a true statement. But then you keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking. And then you figure out why they don't have capacity and you get creative. And so if you really do believe in this cause, in order to kind of turn the tide, um, you you need to work hard to get these women in these spots. Um, I, th I believe once we have more of a um, equitable dis distribution of men and women or people of color, it won't be as hard. Um, because if she can see her, she can be her. That type of that type of um, you know framework, I believe in. But I think at first it's going to take a lot of personal one-on-one -on -one conversations and work, and then it's also going to look at our systemic thing problems, like why why would a woman not want to be an eighty? Okay, late nights. Um, she's not going to want to be. I'm not blaming the woman with this by saying she's not going to be away from her family. But if that's a piece of it, we need to address it. Um, you know, we have to get creative with childcare or um, things like that, or we have to realize that. You know, Megan Orgerman is the first woman president, so she's going to be surrounded by a lot of men. So please be intentional about letting her voice be heard. You know, like those types of things are subtle, but they're powerful. So wrap us up here today. Uh, we've got uh, a clinic coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, there's a website. Tell, tell us where we can find more information and uh, either uh, continue on this train if we're already on it or hop on this train because it's the right thing to do. Tell us about where we can get more information. Yeah, so just like the USATF CCCA Women in Coaching, um, Wisconsin and Minnesota have a Women for Women Coaches Symposium that precedes their state clinic. Um, so both of us are on the, the day before the clinic begins. So in Minnesota, um, we are going to be on um, Thursday. The, I have to get this right. Um, I believe I told you the dates ahead of time, and so now I cleared my screen. Um, so on Thursday, January 25th, um, is going to be the Minnesota Women for Women um, coaches Symposium. It's the day before our clinic, our track and field clinic kicks off. And what that looks like is we have, we'll have a big name keynote speaker. Um, we had Dr. Nicole Lavoie last year from the Tucker Center speak um, and Rachel Style, who is a, a national speaker on eating disorders, come speak. Um, this year, we're going to have Dorothy McIntyre. She was in the high school league when girls sports came to Minnesota in 1972, and she was a pioneer. Um, so we have a major speaker that comes. Um, we will listen to the speaker, and then we'll do breakout sessions where we get an opportunity to talk together. Um, last year, we had over 80 participants. Um, there was youth sports represented, college sports coaches represented, high school coach sports coaches represented. Across, um, there's soccer, there's archery, there's track, there's basketball. So every sport, every level, you are invited to come with us. Um, there was men in the room, there's women in the room. Um, we want to triple the attendance this year. Um, so everybody is welcome to attend. It's free. 
Um, it's going to be at the St. Paul Intercontinental Hotel, um, really beautiful location. Um, so it is a free event to come. It's an evening event, um, so it'll happen. Um, it starts at 745 at night and it goes till 9 p.m., 915 p.m. Um, and everybody's welcome. Um, we're excited about the dialogue and the brainstorming and the, and the connecting that can come from this year's session. It's our second annual, so it's, it's still new. It's growing. Well, is there a either an easy to remember website and if it's not we'll put it down in the show notes but is there a website as well for more information it's on the minnesota high school coaches association website um, so that is mshsca.org um, you click on track and field you'll find the sport and then you will see a tab that says w4w um, and the information will be posted on there uh, as soon as we get all those details or those it, it is posted on there now actually all right. So either use your Google skills or we'll have that website down here in the links of the show notes as well. Megan, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, again, I just love this quote. If she can see her, she can be here. And I think what you're doing is helping other coaches also see, well, wait a minute, if I want to make change, uh, it, it's not based on my gender that, that dictates whether I can or cannot make that change. So uh, I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate your leadership in track just in general, as well as this very specific, uh, important topic here, Women for Women. So thank you for joining us today and uh, helping us learn more about this uh, awesome program. Love it. Thank you so much. Hey, if you're out there and you're a high school coach and you want to bring it to your track and field program or your basketball program or your soccer program. Uh, we want this to be in every state in the United States. So come talk to me. Um, I'll have my email address also in your notes. Um, you can contact me. Let's try to make this nationwide. That is the best idea I've heard at all right there. Let's spread this around. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.